0: Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. We turn our hearts to the word written in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. When the days had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Since they thought he was in their group, they went a day's journey. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, They were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? See, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. He said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be taking care of my father's business? They did not understand what he was telling them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth. He was always obedient to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. The word of the Lord. My dear family in Christ, what is it that you find to be the most amazing thing about Jesus? Maybe it's his person. Unlike anyone else who has ever existed on this planet, Jesus is true God who becomes true man. Born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Son of God takes on our human flesh and blood. This is not a matter of a really good moral obedient human being rising through the ranks and being promoted to the level of God. It's the other way around. This is God lowering himself to become one of us, to save us. That's amazing. What do you find to be the most amazing thing about Jesus? Maybe it's some of the amazing things that he did. Right? You think about some of the, the miracles that Jesus performed. Those were truly amazing. Walking on the water, changing water into wine, driving out demons, commanding a person paralyzed since birth to get up and walk, giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, raising the dead to life. Amazing. But today we focus on Jesus at the tender age of 12 some 18 years before he performed his first miracle. And yet we come to the very same conclusion that even at the tender age of 12 years old, we are led to marvel from these words at our amazing Savior. And we notice three things, and the first of them is this, his amazing humility. Well, time flies. Yesterday we gathered in God's house to sing praises to the newborn Savior, and this morning we find him 12 years old. But you know, the, the Bible really tells us very little about the childhood of our Savior Jesus. I've always thought it would be interesting to know more about it, but the Lord has not chosen to reveal that to us. So we have Jesus being born there in Bethlehem, And after that, the Lord warns Joseph and Mary not to go back to Judea because Herod was looking to put to death the little baby boys in the area. And so they flee down to Egypt and stay for a time, and when the threat has ended, then they travel back up to Nazareth. And we hear nothing more about his childhood until here, when he's 12 years old, staying behind at the temple. And the very next thing we know, in the very next verse after our text, Jesus is already 30 years old. But here we find the 12-year-old Savior traveling with his parents from Nazareth down to Jerusalem, about an 80-mile journey. They're going there to the temple at the Lord's decree and command to celebrate the Passover. Now, those of us who were blessed with parents who put going to church ahead of everything else on the Sunday calendar can appreciate parents like Joseph and Mary. And if you were blessed like that, let me urge you to take the time to thank your parents for that if you haven't done so lately. Parents, let's keep setting the example, and and kids, let's keep thanking them for it. But Joseph and Mary would likely have traveled in a fairly large group of family members and friends from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. And typically, the women and children would have gathered in one group and. And the men, and maybe some of the teenage boys in another group, and might have been a third group with some adolescents and and teenagers. And so as they head back home after the Passover celebration, each group probably assumes that Jesus is with one of the other groups. But if you've ever temporarily lost track of one of your children, even for a time, you can imagine the panic that came washing over Joseph and Mary. And you can picture them running around, calling out, Help us! Have you seen our son, Jesus? He's about this tall. He was wearing this or or that. Have you seen him anywhere? And after three days of frantic searching, they must have felt this unspeakable relief when they finally found Jesus right back at the place where they'd started, at the temple in Jerusalem. But did you catch the humility of Jesus here? Now, remember that when he came down to earth from heaven, Jesus entered into what we refer to as his state of humiliation. We borrow that from Philippians chapter 2, where it says that our Lord Jesus humbled himself. And what we mean by that, in his state of humiliation, Jesus took the full and constant use of his divine power and his divine glory as the Son of God and set it aside and chose not to make full and constant use of it. And so even though though he's the all-powerful son of God, he allows men to nail him to the cross and lays down his life. Even though he was omniscient, there were times when he chose not to know everything according to his human nature. Now, there were times when he picked up the use of that power and glory. For instance, when he did miracles or the glory that came shining through him as his face and his garments were were as bright as the sun at the Mount of Transfiguration, but for the most part, Jesus set aside the full and constant use of his divine power and glory when he came to earth to be our Savior. Now, did you notice how that shows up here in this text? It's in verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, And asking them questions. And you really need to stop and chew on that for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal and almighty Son of God, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one about whom all of Holy Scripture speaks, the one around whom all of Holy Scripture revolves, the one about whom the Holy Scriptures testify is sitting there in the temple courts listening to mere human teachers expounding on those very scriptures. Now think about that. That's mind-blowing. That would be the modern-day of equivalent of Bill Gates sitting down and listening to me go on and on about how to build a successful computer software company. But notice the end of our text. Jesus grew in wisdom. Amazing. Amazing. Kids always want to know, would Jesus have to learn things at school? Because he's the son of God, he just knows everything. This verse says, yes, he did study and learn. He grew in wisdom. Again, because he'd set aside the full and constant use of his divine power and glory, he set that aside to come and be our Savior. It's amazing if you think about it. God learning, God growing. It says he grew in in stature. It's God getting taller and outgrowing last year's clothes. It's God's muscles becoming developed. It's, it's God's voice getting a little deeper as he becomes a man. Amazing humility. As the one who is there during the creation week, as the one through whom all things were created, as John says in John chapter 1, Jesus sits down and listens to these features of the law, maybe explaining to him about the creation account in in Genesis chapter 1. Amazing humility. I wonder, would you as a favor to someone else forfeit everything that you've learned on the job or earn every promotion and go back to being the lowest person on the totem pole just to benefit someone else? Can you envision some college student being willing to give up all of his or her learning and go back to being a a kindergarten student? Look at the Savior's humility. Look at him lowering himself for you, becoming one with the human race for you, becoming a servant for you, and doing all of that willingly because he loves you. Just that much. And notice from this text, that which led the teachers to be amazed in the first place, is amazing understanding. We're told that Jesus was found with the teachers in the temple courts, listening and asking them questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You talk about the perfect student, right? Jesus had no sinful nature. So there were no times when Jesus just kind of tuned the teachers out or started to daydream or doodle and not really listen to the lesson. And I guess we would say his human nature benefited from the wisdom of his divine nature. He asked his teachers questions that showed just how well he understood the concepts set forth in the Old Testament scriptures even though he was only 12 years old. And when he was asked a question by one of the teachers, his response showed a wisdom and a deep grasp of God's word of truth, so much so that it led them to be amazed at Jesus' understanding and his wisdom. Are you amazed at the understanding of your dear Savior? Haven't there been plenty of times in your life Maybe a time that you're going through right now when you've thought to yourself, there is no one who knows what I'm going through. There is no one who really understands what it's like to struggle with what I'm struggling with. Well, you're wrong. Jesus does. Scriptures tell us that we have one who is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus has walked a mile in your shoes. Are you confused by some of the curveballs that life keeps throwing at you? Do you find yourself struggling as you search for answers on how best to to handle those problems and overcome your setbacks? Then, believer, do what Jesus did. Get deeper and deeper into the word of the Lord your God and be amazed at the understanding and the strength and the help that the Holy Spirit grants you there through your study of the word. They were amazed at his understanding. And I'm amazed, too, because Jesus understood the plan. He knew that the cross was waiting for him. He knew how difficult it would be, how dearly he would have to suffer to redeem us from our sins, but he didn't have to be tricked or swindled into doing it. As he studied the word, Jesus understood that he had been sent as your lamb of sacrifice to take away your sin, to suffer hell in your place, but he never balked at it. Be amazed at your Savior's understanding. and realize that He loves you more than you will ever understand, this side of heaven. And that leads us to the third thing that amazes us about Jesus from this text is amazing obedience. When you were growing up, were you an obedient child? It's okay if you weren't. I admit that there are plenty of times as a youngster when I gave my parents a run for their money. Times when my obedience left an awful lot to be desired. But not Jesus. Didn't that statement jump out at you from the text? He went down with them, with Joseph and Mary to Nazareth. He was always obedient to them. Even in his response to their frantic question when they found him, when Joseph and Mary said, Son, why have you treated us this way? And Jesus responded by saying, Did you not know that I must be taking care of my father's business? Even then, Jesus wasn't being disrespectful. His response was rather a a gentle reminder to Mary that he was driven by a greater will and a greater desire in life than hers. Because he was no ordinary child. He was directed by the will of his heavenly father. in a a way that no other human child has ever been directed. But Jesus rendered perfect obedience. He wasn't just a, a good kid. He was literally the perfect child. He didn't behave most of the time. He was perfectly obedient to Joseph and Mary, literally all of the time. Jesus never once got Mary angry by refusing to pick up after himself. He, he never once got Joseph angry by speaking back to him in a disrespectful way. He always honored and obeyed his human parents and always gave them perfect love and respect. That's important. Because that's part of what we refer to as his active obedience. His passive obedience was that he allowed himself to be nailed to the cross to suffer and die for the sins of the world. His active obedience was that Jesus came into this world and stepped under the law and actively kept all of the Ten Commandments that we haven't kept. So that he could give to us the perfect record that we need to stand before our God unashamed on the last day. Jesus was always perfectly respectful to his parents, And not only to his parents, but to all of those in authority. He perfectly respected his government officials. He gave them his obedience. What a reminder for us to show honor and respect and obedience to those whom God has placed in positions of authority over us. His love was always perfect. His thoughts were always pure. His actions were always holy. And he did all of that, believer, for you so that he could be your perfect substitute. I mean, it wouldn't play out like this, but just imagine that in the next hour or two, Judgment Day happens, and you and I are standing before the Lord. And he asks, what have you done with this gift of life that I gave you? Have you obeyed all of my commandments perfectly? What a relief, what a delight that we could answer by faith, yes, Father, I have. Not me personally, but through Jesus, my perfect substitute. He lived a perfect life in my place, and he has credited that perfect obedience to my account. He obediently went to the cross to pay the price for all of my sins, to take away all of my guilt, so that I can stand before you in his perfect righteousness. Amazed. Over and over again. I believe more than a dozen times in the Gospel accounts. We're told that people were amazed by something that Jesus said or by something that Jesus did. Are you? Or is it maybe that sometimes we've just gotten so used to hearing about Jesus that we've lost some of that joyful amazement over our Saviour? If so, then remember, it's not Jesus that has changed. Step back today and see what he became for you. See what he endured for you. See what he willingly suffered for you. See what his life and his death and his triumphant resurrection have secured for you. And you will be led in faith to look at Jesus and say, Yes, Lord. That is my amazing Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.